Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our flagship podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Episode 71. We continue to chug along here. The off season, we're suffering. We're fighting through it. Spring Camp News is uh, is getting us through this a little bit, Colin. And this is our first real episode of this in uh, in two weeks, right? We, we kind of took last week off, sort of. Yeah, yeah, we we sort of took last week off. I mean, we did the uh, the whole site launch and you know talked about some of the new tools and got everybody together, which was very nice. But it's uh, it's nice to get back into into some of the campus news. Yeah, and um, there's a lot of news. I mean, so the, this is going to be a very news heavy episode here tonight, guys. Um, I, I was about to apologize for it. I'm not going to apologize for it because I think that's kind of what we're Don't here apologize. for. But it's mm-hmm. you know, there's no never apologize. <laughs> and you're getting married in, in in a little bit, right? Let yes. me just mm-hmm. no, you do that. You you continue with that that mindset. That's a good. That's uh, a good idea. Yes, take that into every successful relationship has two people that will never say sorry. And I think that's just a, a good thing when you have that. Okay, cool. As, as hey. a married guy to yeah. somebody who's going to be joining the ranks here soon. Yeah, You're, that's my wedding gift. I'm not going to buy you anything now. I just gave you that. No, that, that sage advice is is very much appreciated. I mean, that's worth that's worth more than anything you could have given me. Exactly. It's worth You're... more than a yacht or you know some some of that expensive beer uh what was the name of that the no idea never heard of it it's like a thousand dollars a bottle never heard of it yeah. <laughs> i appreciate that thank you yes you're welcome so um with that i guess we'll just hop right into this guys um this podcast is part of the fantasy points media group along with a ton of other great podcasts including the true north fantasy podcast the Play to Win podcast, the Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, the Smoke Show, the Triple Play Fantasy podcast, and the Fantasy Points podcast itself. This is an old read. I don't have the two new shows on there. My apologies, everybody. FF, FF Familia. FFB Familia and something lines. Blur. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it's not blurred lines <laughs> great shows all of them follow them all in one place on twitter at fantasy points live check out friday weekly drop has all of the weekly information on there um enough of us enough yeah, shenanigans being embarrassing um let, let's let's tackle some news here colin um i had a hard time deciding what i wanted to lead the show off with tonight in terms of news, because, yeah, there is a lot. And we've got a couple, like Georgia Tech and Mizzou are done with their spring now. So, I mean, there, there's some updates there. There's other things. But I figured since it was a, a big talking point in our Discord today and a little bit on Twitter, and Felix did a nice little uh, short video on it. When it happened today, I guess we should start off with Nico. <sighs> I am a La Villa. Is that, did I do Okay. You're asking the wrong person. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, good call. Um, Felix did a really good job with it today. And I feel like that was close enough. And I'll get better at it um, as we go on here. He's a five-star quarterback in next year's class. Um, he committed today to Tennessee. And I think there's a lot of moving parts with this conversation. That's why I figured we'd lead off with it. Because I think this legitimate can legitimately can be like a 15-minute conversation because of all the different things that are going into it. So I think first off, he is the QB three, according to the composite in the next year's quarterback class. And the first thing we can talk about here is just that next year's quarterback class is really, really strong. There are four or five stars, I think as of right now. And then a couple more that are like right on the cusp of it. Um, A lot of them, a lot of West coast guys next year, West coast, Texas, but mostly West coast kind of seems to be, um uh, the breeding ground for the 2023 class um so like he he's he's ranked very highly in a class that is considered really really strong beyond even you know arch manning who is uh currently the number one quarterback in that class and malachi nelson my number one overall uh he's the other uh quarterback ahead of him right now so number one and two overall yeah so it's like it's it's a really good class and we can talk about some of them at a later date i've watched about 10 quarterbacks at this point 
Um, so not enough to, you know, have a great conversation about it, but I, I've seen enough of the top guys to have an idea. Um, do you have a favorite yet, Colin? Have you watched any of these guys uh, too in-depth? Man, I'll be honest. I have not watched these guys at all yet. We were watching and crushing the 2022 class here for the guide. We had the site launch. You know, now we're working on some, some other projects, uh, like the Devi guide and everything like that. I have not had a chance to get into the 2023 guys yet. Um, so I do not have a strong opinion on any of them. I will not be of much help here. I do apologize. All right. So then I'll, I'll kind of, I mean, I'll, we'll, we'll bounce it back and forth, but I'll, I'll fill in a lot of the details for everybody. So this kid, I mean, it depends on where you look. He's listed at either 6'5 or 6'6. He's listed anywhere between like 185 to 195 pounds. Um, he, he's just a really, really, really tall kid. Like towers over his line, towers over everybody. Um, it, it, I, I am not a fan of this kid at all. But I don't want that to be all what we talk about here. Um, but I think we should just give a brief scouting report on Nico. So he is related, as far as I can tell, as far from what I've heard, he's related to DJ Uyunglele in some capacity. Um, so, you know, another guy that has had training, has worked with other high-level quarterbacks, like like he has some pedigree here. He's not mobile at all. I believe he has about 175 rush yards through two years combined, uh, his sophomore and junior seasons. So he's really tall. He's really thin. He's not mobile really at all. He does have a very easy throwing motion. Um, he is fairly accurate, deep intermediate. Um, but he's an odd eval because you don't see quarterbacks this big. You don't see quarterbacks this big succeed and he's just not very like he, all the things that you kind of don't want in a quarterback he has but the throwing motion is so pure and i think his relationship with dju and galele and kind of who they know has played into his ranking like i don't want to say that it's not deserved but i don't think he's close to a five-star kid honestly if i watch this kid i would give him maybe a low four star because he's going to have a lot of issues especially going to the sec so going to Tennessee, there were rumors last week that seemed to have been, been corroborated at this point that he is receiving an $8 million NIL deal that is somehow, with the, the way it's structured, tied to him joining Tennessee. Like the, the money is tied to him being him occupying a roster spot at Tennessee starting next season. He gets some of it now, then he gets the bulk of it as he attends there. So, I mean, I, I want to kick this to you, Colin, instead of me kind of just continuing to talk about this. First off, do you have any reaction to him signing there before we talk about how it's going to kind of impact some of the other players there at Tennessee? Well, I mean, I think it's a big get for Tennessee overall. I mean, regardless of what, you know, your thoughts are on the quarterback, on, on, on Nicholas, I'm not even going to pronounce his name, Um regardless of what my thoughts end up being on him, he is a five star. So, you know, in circles, he is thought highly of. So that's a big get for them. You know, that's, that's big from where they were a few years ago. I think that speaks a lot to uh, the belief in Josh Heupel. Uh, and it's a little bit of the sec effect there as well. And, you know, $8 million never hurts. Um, so I think that's big for them. Um, you know, without having watched him, it's hard to say if I feel the same as you where, you know, he doesn't, he wouldn't be a five-star in my book. Um, the height definitely obviously concerning, but I think what this does is it complicates things like you were saying, where we really like Taven Jackson for Tennessee's offense. And based on the way you're describing, um, I am Aliyeva, uh, it doesn't sound like he would fit Hypel's offense. Is, am I understanding that right? Based on your kind of eval, he, he does the best fit there. In my opinion, no. Like so, yes, I agree with you. In my opinion, no, he does not fit that offense nearly as well as Taven Jackson does. Right, but at the same time, so maybe he doesn't fit that offense that well. If you're paying, if they're paying a kid eight million dollars to go to that school, 
that kid is going to get a shot to start and he is going to get every opportunity afforded to him. I mean, that's essentially, you can kind of think of that as a first round draft pick in the NFL. I think, you know, monetarily compared to what the NIL deal will be for QB, you know, 11, 12, 13. I mean, he's going to be making tenfold on top of that. So they're going to give him every opportunity to start. I have a couple of different takeaways before we even get into the Taven Jackson thing. My first big question when I, as I've been thinking more about this all day is, or my thought is, I think it feels more like this is a statement signing by Tennessee rather than a, is this the best quarterback we could get that fits what our head coach wants to do? Because they've been compared to what they have been in the past and compared to what their fan base believes they should be at, they've been largely irrelevant in, in the recruiting game. When you compare them to their rivals at, at, to start with the Georgia's, the Florida's, the Alabama's, the, LSU, AM, Auburn. Like all of those SEC schools have consistently out recruited them. And what I'm like, Tennessee may have had a year here or there. They might have grabbed a guy here or there. But for the most part, you know, they've they've lost more than they've won in that regard over the past decade plus, really, which is why they've been a middling team. I mean, they've also made poor coaching hires, bounced back and forth between, you know, they have they fire one guy the next coach they bring in completely different system so nothing that happened the previous three years that was any good anyway like none <laughs> of that carries over from from coach to coach like they've had a, a lot of issues so for me with this big nil group that's kind of backing tennessee at this point this feels like a we're going to go out and get the best quarterback that we can to make a statement because i don't think a lot of the other big programs were serious about actually wanting this kid from everything that i've heard like alabama was rumored to be in on him from what i've heard alabama was not really serious about nico they were much more serious about arch and they are still supposedly in that fight i don't think he ends up there um but but i think like that would have been like i don't think they are super interested in him i don't think georgia is super interested in him I don't think Texas or I mean USC already chose Malachi Nelson in this class, so they they picked another kid over him already. Like I I don't think any of these big programs were actually serious about this kid, which is what I've kind of tied into why I think this kid is a victim, and I will call him a victim of the recruiting service monster and how he's been elevated to a level that he should not be at. And it's going to lead to a lot of disappointment for him, for whatever school he ends up for his family and for the fan base that's going to hype him up and then turn on him inevitably when he fails to be what people think he's going to be. And I think that's going to be Tennessee, unfortunately. And that's not a fan base that I want on my case. Really? They're, <laughs> kind of crazy yeah i mean you're um you know any vols fans listening here there's a good chance that they might end up in your mentions um i do know we have some some great people over at the site uh you know who are uh, subscribers interact very frequently in the discord uh who are tennessee fans you know they talked about this a lot of people put the, put their input into this today so um you know but i i, I would still expect your your mentions to uh to blow up a little bit there with that because they are a passionate fan base. That's for sure. Um, and they are one that, you know, they, they, they do kind of turn quickly. And and like you said, this could be a situation where if he doesn't live up to the hype early, they kind of turn on him, um, which is kind of a shame. But again, at the same time, he's going to make eight mil. So, you know, he can use those stacks to dry those tears. Yeah. The the further takeaway here is, I think, the fallout and how it relates to Taven Jackson. I think the way you put it was, was really, really good that 
if you're paying this kid, and I think this is going to be a product of just how NIL operates until they finally actually regulate it, um, is he is essentially a first round pick, like an early first round pick. Like no matter what else is there, he's probably gonna get the opportunity, and I think partially. Like I, uh, Josh Heupel is gonna have a lot of pressure to play this kid, even if I don't think he's going to be ready at all day one. So I like I, Taven Jackson, as I tweeted earlier today. Like I am not going to give people this advice because this is the kind of advice that I feel like if I give it and I'm absolutely incorrect, it will make me feel bad that people acted on it. <laughs> But I am still going to be operating as if Taven Jackson is the better quarterback. Not that he's going to be the guy at Tennessee. He's probably going to transfer now, uh, assuming that that Nico does end up there. I I'm still operating under that. He he Taven Jackson. I, I unless Nico just has a crazy senior year and he comes in thirty pounds heavier and all and learns to run. I like I, I Taven Jackson is going to grade out better than him for me. So that is how I am going to operate moving forward. That means I'm still, I'm going to be buying Taven Jackson at whatever his rightfully lowered price should be because he should drop in, in mm-hmm. rankings with this. He's not going to be the, the starting quarterback at Tennessee guys. Um, so I'm going to buy him at a discount and I am completely going to fade Nico. I am Oliva, whatever, ridiculous price he's going to be at next offseason because he's going to be the quarterback going to Tennessee to play in a very quarterback friendly system. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to move up too much higher than like what his composite ranking is because everybody's going to go nuts over arch. Everybody's going to go nuts over Malachi Nelson, who is going to USC to work with Lincoln Riley. Um, They, the composite right now has Dante Moore, um, Detroit, Michigan stand up. Uh, ranked ahead of him, but As they should. <laughs> um, you know, I think people will see his five-star status and going to Tennessee, and I, I could see him slotting very comfortably in at the number three quarterback in next year's class. And like I said, you know, I'll preface this preface this with I have done no research beyond reading a few articles on these guys. I have not watched these guys at all, but it would not surprise me if he slots in at the number three spot in next year's class and is a first round early first round supplemental pick or freshman draft pick next year. Um, yeah. Go ahead. But I was just gonna say, with that being said, I'm with you on, on Taven Jackson. This big appeal with him was the system. I do think he's a pretty talented quarterback still. So I'll be curious where to see where he ends up. I, I think he'll stay with Tennessee this year though. Um. He, yeah, I'm I'm sure he'll still stay at Tennessee. I mean, there's no reason for him to leave now. Because, I mean, I guess the best case scenario for him, because there, that death chart is very barren mm-hmm. besides Hendon Hooker and him. Like, the, there is not much there. Is Joe Milton he, still there? I think so. <laughs> but I think that coaching staff would be very hard-pressed to put him back in a game after what he did in that Ole Miss game last year. <laughs> um I like the best case scenario for Taven Jackson is Hendon Hooker gets hurt and he takes that job this year and looks really, really good doing it. And that's not my, like, I'm not hoping for that. I'm not hoping Hendon Hooker that gets hurt. I'm not hoping anybody gets hurt. But if you're Taven Jackson, that's like the only path to actually becoming the starting quarterback at Tennessee right now. And he has to play really freaking well this year. That feels like a very small chance of that particular path happen. yeah i mean i think if they you know assuming that doesn't happen assuming hooker plays all year um and they come in and it's taven jackson versus i am oliva on the you know in a quarterback battle i'm oliva is going to have the eight million dollar advantage taven jackson will have the year in the system advantage so it'll definitely be interesting to see but when you're like I said, when you're paying somebody that much money, you know, a kid that much money, they're gonna they're gonna start him. He's Hypel's gonna be facing a lot of pressure to start this kid. So the next question then is is there another place where Taven Jackson can go where we think he would have 
the same fantasy value. And obviously this is a very difficult projection to make this far out in advance, but is there anywhere off the top of your head you can think of where you could see, Oh, Taven Jackson would be a good fit in this style of an offense. Two places. Both of them. I think you have to, again, hope that a certain thing happens this off season. <laughs> the first one is Texas tech, but you have to hope that, um, Shuck. Yes. You have to hope that Tyler Shuck gets that job. It can't be Donovan Smith. And it can't be Baron Morton. If either of those two guys get that job and look even moderately okay, I don't think they would move to Taven Jackson and bring him in. Um, I think while TCU could be mildly interesting, um, depending on what happens there with Max Dugan, if if Sonny Dykes likes that or, or what else happens there, then the other spot I was thinking in that again depends. Like if Nico Marshall gets the job at West Virginia and looks okay to good <laughs> again probably not going to pick up Taven Jackson that's a Graham Harrell offense who who spent the last several years at USC spread offense um, kind of a timing offense which I think is what Taven Jackson like his real appeal is you know three five-step drop get the ball out can push the ball downfield if he needs to but he is really 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 good in rhythm I think those are kind of places where I think he'd be pretty darn good for what that system calls for okay Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I think those are definitely um, Texas tech TCU, definitely high powered offenses and offenses where, you know, obviously he's going to Jackson's going to see a stock down right now, but offenses that where he would go, if he would go there, he would be right back up to where he was pre I'm Oliva news. Yeah. So, so, you know, again, Wherever you were planning on taking Taven Jackson, you probably should fade him at least a little bit at this point, guys. That's our best advice for you at this stage. Does this do anything for the weapons there moving forward? Like, because we kind of like the wide receiver class this year: Caleb Webb, Marcarius White, um, you know, Justin Williams, the running back they bring in. Like, we like some of these kids. Does this have any impact on them? Um, not a ton. I mean, I think that they still, given Hypel's system, I think the wide receivers will be okay. Um, it doesn't really have much of an impact at all on Justin Williams, in my opinion. I think that no matter who's under center, you know, that running game is going to be uh, efficient. You know, he'll probably still split some carries, I think. Uh, but, you know, I still like Justin Williams. So that doesn't really knock any of those weapons down for me. Gotcha. And yeah, I mean, just it's a high-powered a, offense. You'd, you'd think that they can at least make it work for somebody over the next yeah. few years. Obviously Cedric Tillman going to be the guy here in 2022. Yeah. Um, but it is, I believe his last year of eligibility. All right, Colin, let's talk a little spring news here. And then we're going to get into some ADP trends guys. We, we've got a couple months of data here now, so we can kind of talk through some of the things we're seeing two freshman profiles. Then we'll get you out of here. Um, so I don't think we've talked about any of these stories so far, Colin, correct me if I'm wrong. JJ McCarthy out for spring. Uh, at Michigan, sophomore, I don't know what he's labeled as, second-year quarterback there. Um, uh, I'm thinking he probably played in enough games that he burned that red shirt. I would think. I don't know. Second year, because that's more what I care about. When is yeah. he eligible? So after year three. So second-year quarterback, shoulder injury. Not going to play it all this spring. Um, should be back, they're saying, by preseason camp. So it's going to be Caden McNamara running the show here again this offseason. Um, are we worried about him being able to have a chance to really take that job this year now with no, you know, spring. And I think, I mean, he's probably going to still be recovering a little bit, even if he's, you know, cleared by doctors uh, for, for preseason. Yeah. I mean, I think first and foremost, there was with the way, with the year that Michigan had last year, I think it was going to be difficult for him to unseat Cade McNamara. Now he is, way more talented than Cade McNamara. Cade McNamara is a good game manager. Um, JJ McCarthy, on the other hand, is a quarterback with a lot of tools and you can do a lot of different things with him in your offense. With him being, even if he was healthy, I think he would have a hard time unseating McNamara. With him and this injury, I don't see that happening at all. I would give that a sub 5% chance of happening to be honest. And 
are we worried about his long-term outlook now? Uh, kind of, yeah. So I liked him coming into last year because I didn't really think that highly of Cade McNamara. I still don't. But because of the year Michigan had, Cade McNamara, I think, has that job very safe. You know, if Michigan had struggled, Cade McNamara had struggled, I think there would have been a good chance that he could have taken that job this year. Um, so, but with the way they had the year that they had, I think it always would have been difficult for him to earn the starting role. Now he's going to be entering year three uh, as with no true starting experience. You know, he'll have some game reps, but it's mostly, you know, kind of gimmicky design run stuff. And I think Chris Moxley did a Twitter thread the other day or last week sometime looking at, you know, when you want quarterbacks to play. And if you're a P5 quarterback and you don't get any time in your first two years, you better come out and be really good in your third year right away. I don't know if I see that happening with McCarthy. I'm fading him pretty hard. Which... And not to say that I told you so, but I've been saying this for months and I've gotten a ton of pushback from people on this. You, It is not good for quarterbacks to sit for two years. It is no. not good. like that. It, so stop saying that to me. It's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, There's I, a lot of data that says it, it's not. Like Chris just put that study out. Yeah. I wish I had the I, – I, I wish I remembered exactly what it was or what day it was, but – I mean, if you go through the NFL quarterbacks, there's like three that didn't start like freshman, sophomore year consistently. And one of them is Tom Brady. And to be honest, he's like not. It's been so long since he was in college that like whatever data set we're working with with him in it, like he's no longer relevant to the other things that we're looking yeah. at because it's been so long. Yeah. Trubisky so, would have been another one. <laughs> yeah. So like it, it like it's really, really I think um, Kyler's one. Yeah. And it's weird circumstances. Uh, Burrow is one, and then I think there's one other, and even like you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, played at community college, even though he wasn't, you know, P5 or like uh, all these other guys, like they they at least played. Um, so, um, so I feel like I'm gonna end up being right on JJ McCarthy, but like not for the reason that I thought. So, that's kind of just like a push for me. <laughs> I mean, it looks good at the end of the day when you just look at like who I got right, who I got wrong. But I, my mm -hmm. big thing on JJ McCarthy was that I just thought he's so reliant on outside of structure and he never really worked well within the confines of an offense. I said, can he bring that in? Now I'm starting to wonder if we'll ever even get to know that because, yeah. you know, at Michigan, I don't want to give like the tired, like, you know, <laughs> Um, Harbaugh is ruining, you know, because he doesn't play these guys, but like legitimately, like if you're a, it's kind of like the thing I've been saying about Brian Kelly the past couple years now, like if you're a young, dynamic, offensive skill player, why would you ever want to go play for him at Michigan? The last like five or six years I looked at, however long he's been at Michigan, he has basically taken some really, really high-end athletic talent there and has produced absolutely no high-end draft prospects to show for it. Like, he, he, at one class, they brought in uh, three five-stars or three, like, very close to five-star wide receivers, and the best one of them is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Like, he's he's ruined everything he's touched since he's been at Michigan because he's so damn conservative. He's such a seniority rules kind of guy. And... I don't think that works anymore. And so that, and, and now with the shoulder injury, like I think that is ultimately what is going to end up keeping McCarthy down rather than his own shortcomings. Even though I think had he gotten the opportunity, his own shortcomings would have been enough to block him, but we will probably not know that at this point, because it's going to be at least year three by the time we get to see him on the field at all. I think like, this shoulder. Real. Yeah. I think the shoulder injury actually hurts him, his future, outlook a lot because if he had been healthy and lost that job to McNamara um he may have transferred he may have you know been like okay well if I'm not going to start this year maybe I should get out you know I think there was a I don't think it was very likely but there was definitely a possibility of that happening now with the shoulder injury he is still going to think I have a shot to beat him out you know, because that's the way all these kids think. They all think they're the best, and that's great. You know, that's how you get to that level. But I think that's going to do him a bit of a disservice, and he's going to stick around and wait until year three. Yep. Um, 
interested to see if he ends up even actually staying at Michigan. Um, or if they just bring in the next guy to ruin. Um, I'm yeah. Don't touch Dante more. That's what I was about to say. I'm really hoping he doesn't go there. <laughs> um, I'd rather him go to, you know, Notre Dame and City or whatever. Um, I think that those are kind of his two top schools, if I remember correctly. Uh, Dante Moore, again, the third overall quarterback in the 2023 class. Um, really, really good player out of Detroit area. Um, so Martin Luther lo- King. Lo- lo- local kid. Local kid. Um, all right, Colin. Let's. I'm going to take this one out of here. So some running back battles here that we're kind of monitoring and just two big ones that I think at this point are leaning heavily one way, and these are running backs you can still get super, super cheap. Christopher Brooks, transfer running back at BYU, Tyler Algiers replacement, came over from Cal this offseason. Sounds like he is going to win that job, an offense that has produced um, some pretty strong running back performances uh, over the past several years. That offense figures to be pretty darn good with Jaron Hall still going to be there. Um, Isaac Rex, they really like this this other tight end they have there as well, whose name is totally escaping me, but has looked really, really good. Puka. Um, so, I mean, they've, they've got some pieces there. Are, are you buying Christopher Brooks? Yeah, I am, um, especially because, you know, he, he's not very expensive. Um, you know, we're talking ADP trends. You would think I had the ADP tool up here in front of me. I do not, but I don't imagine he's probably, he's probably not being taken at all in our mocks. I do not I, believe he is, no. I would be surprised if he was. But Tyler Algier last year was the RB9 on the year uh, in terms of points per game. You know, he averaged 25.46 points per game. Now, do I think he's going to be Tyler Algier? No, I don't. I think Tyler Algier is a better player. Um, you know, and I think that he was a large, he was a big focal point of this offense because he had been in that system for a year. Those coaches, you know, really knew him. So they felt comfortable making him a focal point. Uh, I don't necessarily see Christopher Brooks being the focal point. They'll probably lean a little bit more on Jaron Hall, but there's still a ton of uh, room between where he's being taken and RB8. I think he can settle in nicely as an RB3 um, for your fantasy lineup, and you're still getting a bargain. So here's uh, actually, like I think we just found out that Tyler Algier is not special. I don't necessarily think he's special, but I think he's a better player than Brooks. But like I, I think we just found out that Tyler Algier is just kind of a guy that kind of tore it up because BYU doesn't necessarily play anybody. They almost always have an offensive line that's pretty darn good and a quarterback to take a lot of the pressure off of them. And he played there with Zach Wilson and, and Jaron Hall. So it would not shock me if Christopher Brooks puts up a similar season a a rb1 season in my opinion is not outside the realm of possibility um and so i i think i'm going to be buying him and he has not been drafted in a single one of our drafts right now although i feel like that's probably going to change um over the next month or so and i believe he's gone in a couple of the cff drafts i believe so i mean people are aware just more of the college heavy type people uh than like the the debbie c2c people and i think that's one of the still one of the big advantages you can have in a c2c league um you know we are we're doing our best to provide um in information in an area where it did not previously exist you know i remember the you know the first year or two in my c2c league like finding information like this was so difficult um you know that's kind of what prompted us to do this and, you know, we're we're pumping out more content. You know, we're, we're providing input on sleepers like this. But acting early, I think, is still a big advantage that you can have. You know, act, we don't know that Christopher Brooks is he has not been named the starter yet. You know, he just looks really good in camp. He's been, you know, running with the ones. He looks like he's going to win that job. Don't be afraid to take a gamble on him right now, because I don't imagine he's going to cost you much of anything. So assuming he's even ro- he's even rostered somewhere, go out and make an offer for him. Offer something cool. really cheap. You want to make a guess as to what his roster like percentage is right now? Um sub 5% cuz I think I remember seeing him on the um list of guys we were considering for the guide. Yeah, and I think he just two. missed the 
cut and we're probably going to regret um, yeah. not having him in there. Um, but it's 1%. 1. Yeah. I think he's available in like almost all of my leagues. Um, so he will be a popular target uh, for me in supplemental drafts this year. Um, Nathaniel Pete's the other guy. Um, running back transfer, again, a transfer from Stanford to Mizzou. Mizzou, again, just like BYU, loses their star running back, the guy that they got an enormous amount of the backfield work in Tyler Beatty, who's off to the NFL. Um, there, was, uh, there, there was quite a bit of discussion about who would get this job. Uh, whether it would be Young, whether it would be Pete, um, you know, Tavoris Jones, the true freshman, would he push them? I believe they brought in Taj Butts last year. Um, w- would he push any of these guys a bit of a bigger back at this point? It sounds like Pete has really impressed. It sounds like Pete probably going to get that job. It's a backfield that they like to give it to one guy. Like that, that is their MO there. So uh, how heavily are you going to be targeting Pete, similarly to how you're looking at, at Christopher Brooks? I'm looking at him a little bit higher than I'm looking at Brooks. Um, oh, okay. Because Tyler Beatty last year uh, finishes the RB3. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he he averaged 27.38 points per game. He had a fantastic year. Um, I don't think Tyler Beatty is really anything that special of a prospect. You know, not that I think Tyler Algier is a special prospect either, but I think Beatty's production is going to be very replaceable. Um and if Pete can win that job and, you know, he looks, I, I have not watched Pete in depth, but from what I've seen, he looks pretty good, pretty comfortable as a pass catcher. So that's going to be a huge portion of his volume. And I think that's going to raise his floor above a level of where I think Christopher Brooks's floor is. So I would be targeting him a little bit more aggressively than I would Christopher Brooks. Um, Nathaniel, Pete, uh, what would you guess his current, uh, roster ship is on um Dan tracks um now i'm gonna go two percent i'm gonna say it again still one percent still one <laughs> percent yeah and i believe he only well i believe he has two years left of eligibility if he wants it so we were talking about that in the uh, Discord in the NIL chat uh, the other day. Um, Sal, Corey, and I were talking about that. And he's listed as a redshirt senior on their website. I assume that that means that this is his last year of eligibility. So here's where I'm really getting my information from. 2018 was his freshman class, like he was all state in high school in 2018 2019 true freshman year played all games so did not redshirt that year but that pesky covid year in 2020 he gets if he wants it and then 2021 was his third year on campus so if he wants it as far as i can tell he gets two years now will he take it i don't know but he is i mean he he's 5'10, 195 he is very similar skill set wise to what Beatty did there um which is interesting because Beatty was kind of not what Larry Roundtree was, who was his predecessor. And that was kind of the argument against Beatty for months before he took that job. Um, but it sounds like maybe this is more the type of back that they're looking for. Uh, okay. So he's not listed. He's just listed as a senior. He's not listed as a red shirt senior, but I know when I looked, um, he was listed as a, as a red shirt senior. So maybe they changed that in the past couple of days. I don't know, but I distinctly remember looking, uh, but Elijah young, because we were also talking about Elijah Young, and I know he is a junior, so I know he definitely has two years left. Because um, we were talking about Tavoris Jones, but it does sound like Pete does potentially have two years left there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I, I mean that I think that makes him pretty valuable because I don't know that he's really like an NFL guy. He he has some nice versatility because he can return kicks. Um, he got some special teams accolades at Stanford when he was there um, in, in terms of his actual rushing ability. And eh, I don't know that it's like anything special, but I would said the same thing about Taylor Beatty this time last year too, though. So yeah, who's to say? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Tyler Beatty, it's, it was just pretty much that offense and plug in Nathaniel Pete, you know, Nathaniel Pete may not hit RB three overall numbers, but I think he's going to be a very steady RB two for you couple other freshman running backs, I think, or a couple other backs, all freshmen, that I think we should be 
paying attention to um, that are that are lower rated. We're going to give you guys some gems here on the show tonight. So uh, get out your pen and paper. I'll give you a, a second here uh, uh, to go find that. Okay, good. You had it sitting beside you anyway. I knew it. All right. Three freshman running backs here, Colin, that have been getting a lot of playing time. Um, one of them, Damian Martinez at Oregon State. And first off, I think at this point I should probably plug, if you're not listening to the the nightly spring practice reports that Matt Bruning is doing uh, on the YouTube channel for us here at Campus Canton, uh, you should be there. Like eight, it's 8, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern almost every night uh, during the week goes live for like 15 minutes, just gives a quick, you know, summary of a bunch of different stuff going on that day, whatever. I don't think there's necessarily any rhyme or reason to what he picks. He just kind of chooses the stories that, that sound like they're important. Um, they're on the YouTube channel, Campus Canton, same as the website, campuscanton.com. Um, and then he releases them all as a podcast at the end of the week as well on our podcast feed. So you've probably seen them on there the past couple weeks where he just takes all five of the episodes, smashes them all into an hour or whatever. And then puts him out there. But one of the guys that he's talked about a bunch on there is Damian Martinez, uh, low, or a three-star kid at Oregon State, six foot two twenty-eight, has no ADP with us currently. Um, was one of the last cuts for the freshman guide, and I do think this is one that obviously, if we could go back in time, we would probably put in there. Uh, I've posted what his write-up looked like on our discord for anybody that wanted to go ahead and see that. Um, was that Alfred that wrote him up? It was Alfred. I believe. Um, I, I watched this kid. I comped him really closely to Rakeem Boyd and like in a good way. Like, like I said that in our Slack and someone was like you like, and I was like, no, like it's a good, like Rakeem Boyd was a good college running back. Like went to Arkansas. He wasn't an NFL level athlete at all. He was big. He, you know, he could make some things work between the tackles. He could catch the ball a little bit, like all these things. Just couldn't cut it in the NFL. And Martinez feels like a very similar player to me, which is why we ended up not putting him in. We just thought the upside may not be there. But I don't think we realized that BJ Baylor, who is not a good running back, like NFL wise in his own right, he falls squarely into that Rakeem Boyd. Like he declared for the draft for some unknown reason. He's gone, and I did not realize that. They only have Deshaun Fenwick and Demir Collins there. So it sounds like Martinez is getting a, a lot of uh, carries at camp. They're really excited for him. Um, are you bumping him up your rankings here, Colin? Yeah, I'm definitely bumping him up my rankings here. Um, B.J. Baylor last year uh, was the RB38 on the year. Um, points per game, 17.02 points per game. So you know, definitely a usable option. And there were weeks where you felt good about starting him. I think whoever ends up starting for, for them, whether it, you know, it's trending to seem like it's going to be Damian Martinez or if Deshaun Fenwick does end up taking that job, whichever one, I think that is, I think you can basically plug them in for BJ Baylor's production. You know, I don't think BJ Baylor was special by any means. He didn't really catch a ton of passes. So, you know, it's not like these other guys, don't have a skill set that's similar to him. I think you basically take that, plug it in, and expect RB 38-ish production for him, which, you know, that's just below an RB3. That's like a flex-worthy player, depending on deep, how deep your league is. Um, you know, he might have a couple bigger weeks if he scores, you know, three touchdowns that week. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely moving him up from where I had him. I do think his name is starting to get pretty hot, so I think he might start going a little bit earlier than what I'll be willing to take him. There's just probably going to be other guys in that area that I will end up preferring. And that's just based on kind of some buzz that I've been hearing, you know, in, in our Slack, seeing on Twitter and everything like that, where I think he'll, his stock is, is rising a little bit quicker than I would like. And this is a guy, again, even with all of this kind of buzz about him at this camp, I'm still very skeptical that there's an NFL running back there. I mean, Oregon State has not. They, they've had good producing college running backs, but like the nature of being Oregon State is you kind of take these backs that maybe fall through the cracks a little bit. And likely because they aren't quite NFL-level athletes, I think we've seen that a little bit with Jamar Jefferson and um, and B.J. Baylor over the last couple of years, where they're just not quite there, and that's why they don't end up you know, Damian Martinez is from Texas and like crushed Texas high school football and 
wasn't really considered a get for any high school or Texas college team. So that kind of tells you, like, I mean, some of those guys fall through the cracks for sure. But I mean, that's just kind of the player pool that they are playing in. So I, I think Martinez still, if you're buying him, to keep in mind that this is still probably at this point a college only player. But if you can get three or four really good years of production out of him, that's obviously a very valuable thing. Just keep that in mind. I would not expect NFL production in the future there for him. How about your Darian Price, Colin, a running back going to um, Notre Dame? Uh, was a, a four-star kid, ranked a little lower. Uh, he was he's in the guide that we have out, the freshman supplemental guide. And I guess at this point, I'll plug that here for a second. $20 over at campstacanton.com, guys. 184 player profiles, over 200 pages. We have ADP data. We have miles per hour uh, 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 tracking data. And then I'll obviously 184 player write-ups uh, if you want that. And then also if you sign up uh, at our current $29.99, basically if you sign up for a year at any level right now, you get it with your guide. Because if you're signing up at our lowest level at $29.99, that, that walk-on tier before April 1st, you get grandfathered into our grandfather tier. tier. Yes. So um, just keep that in mind. If that's a guy that you're you're looking to acquire, um, you can pay $29.99 a year right now. You can be locked into that price for forever at the site and get the guide and all that good stuff. Um, so Jadarian Price... He was a little lighter. We went back and forth a lot on him when we kind of did the, did the discussions over where guys would go in the guide. And um, it sounds like he's impressed a decent amount at Notre Dame. He's up to 190 pounds. I said he continues to kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, he's a, That's a backfield that doesn't really have a lot in it. They have Logan Diggs. They have Chris Tyree. They have Audric uh, Estime. And that's it and estimate is not good like at all in my opinion um so like it is not it, it, it's foreseeable he gets on the field there this year yeah i mean i definitely wouldn't rule that out so i actually had the you know pleasure of writing up um price for the guide um i also did him highlighted him as a freshman profile here on the show so you know i like price you know i think he shows very good vision and processing as a runner, he doesn't waste time getting up field, but he identifies the cutback lanes well. Um, you know, he's a long strider, but he can break off some long runs, pull away from defenders. And even though he's a little bit, you know, lanky, bit of more of a strider, he he does change direction fairly quickly. Um, and he's definitely an asset in the passing game as well. My biggest negative for him was his weight. You know, he was listed at uh, 5'11", 180 pounds um, on 24-7 sports. You know, so you had to project him to, uh, to gain 25 pounds to even hit like an Aaron Jones level of like a, a weight, you know, an Aaron Jones, a um, Kenny Gainwell and projecting somebody to gain 25 pounds in college. That's a tall ask. That sounds like he's already put on 10 pounds, uh, you know, since the end of the season slash, you know, beginning of the spring here. Definitely a good sign. Um, checking it at 190 still concerns me a little bit, but not nearly as much as 180 pounds. So I think he's a guy that needs to bump up a little bit in my rankings. Although, like I said, I'm still cautious because of just how much weight he would have had to gain. Yeah, he looks bigger. I, I, I've seen a couple of pictures of him there. So that's an intriguing guy uh, just to keep. Uh, keep an eye on uh, and then the last one here Javante Barnes another true freshman guy that we weren't particularly high on uh, and, and to be fair like so I, I've Nate Marquise you know, one of our CFF guys uh, really smart really really smart uh, CFF resource uh, at CFF Nate on Twitter um, it kind of, like he, he's he's got some contacts at Oklahoma so he can generally get you know a little bit of information uh, about what's going on there um, he has said that the staff likes Javante Barnes and and for what's worth, he said like he did, he personally does not really care for Javante Barnes that much, but it sounds like the staff kind of likes him and the other backs, like there is not a big back on that roster. Now granted Javante Barnes is not huge either. He's just under 200 pounds, but I think by the time the season begins, he'll probably be 205 plus your other backs are Eric Gray 
and Gavin Sawchuk. And Gavin Sawchuk's a little guy, and, and Eric Gray, I think, is kind of maxed out at like his 200 or whatever that he's at right now. So I think Barnes is a guy that we really need to keep an eye on. He's the RB25 in our guide uh, amongst freshmen. Um, not a guy, again, that we like loved the talent, but the situation might call for you to take him because he could, if he ends up being like the, the guy that gets the, the, 50-ish percent share, and then the other two guys kind of you go 30%, 20% or whatever. It's probably a pretty valuable piece there at Oklahoma. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I you know, hearing the buzz on him is definitely surprising. Um, he's was just kind of not that great to me. Uh, you know, I don't think he had that great of patience either. You know, I saw him running up in the back of his lineman a lot. So I'll still be kind of concerned a little bit about that because that's something that tends to show itself a little bit more in game situations than it would in, in a spring practice. Uh, and Marcus major is still there. He's a guy that I do like, you know, so Marcus major could have that, that type of a role, but it's, it's hard to ignore the buzz around Barnes and uh, he has to rise as a result. Yeah, I mean, so I th- that's just three guys I think you should be paying attention to. None of them really going anywhere in our ADP currently. None of them really getting a lot of hype, like, you know, amongst the, the community. But I think they are all names that you can get for cheap. And at worst, you're going to see a value spike. And if you want to move them at that point, like, that's probably what I'll do with Javante Barnes. Should I draft him anywhere? I'll probably wait, to, assuming he gets that job and looks pretty good. Probably just shift him along. Because I don't think as a player, he's really anything uh, too special there. But I've been wrong before, so who knows? All right, so I know we said we're going to do some ADP trends, Colin, but to be honest, just covering this, these few topics, I think kind of got us to where we wanted to be with show length. So we're going to save ADP trends for next week, guys. Um, uh, we'll talk a little bit about a lot of different guys uh, in you know where some players are going. We think there's a cheaper option on the same roster on a different roster later. We'll give you kind of all that information as you're navigating some of these early season startups. But let's go into these freshman profiles here that we have this week, Colin. Um, two big athletic guys. I can't believe we hadn't done Nicholas Singleton left uh, or like already. And that's who you're going to do. And then I have Andre Green. Why does he we're going to UNC? So kick us off, Colin. Uh, talk some Nicholas, Nicholas Singleton there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I know we we mentioned Singleton on here um, a couple a different times. I just I don't think we ever actually did a, a full profile on him, at least nowhere that I could find. So um, Nichols Singleton, um, four star running back, um, number four by the composite. Uh, was he number one on twenty four seven though? I believe right. Uh, yeah, he was. He, yeah, twenty four seven. Yeah, twenty four seven is number one running back on there. Um, out of uh, Governor Mifflin, Pennsylvania. Uh, that's not too far away from where I'm at. Um, he checks in at six foot, 210 pounds. Um, first thing that stands out on, about him is, you know, obvious speed, multiple breakaway runs. He's easily outrunning defenders. He looks like the best athlete on the field and he knows it. Um, now, he did run a verified 459 at the opening in 2019. I would expect that is is better at this point. Uh, but even if it's not, that's still like, that's still pretty solid. Uh, 36.4 inch vert at the opening as well. And you can see his, um, his burst on there too. He's got very good burst. He's very, very dangerous when he gets to the edge. He's got good open field vision. He winds his way through traffic, follows blocks really well. You know, they used him as a punt returner. So they wanted to get him the ball in his hands. Um, he gets a top end speed very quickly. He's got solid contact balance. I think he runs through arms tackles. He does not go down very easily. He lowers his shoulder. He'll take on defenders at the goal line when needed. Um, he does show flashes of patience in the backfield and vision, you know, find some cutback lanes. I think that's the biggest area that he needs to work on though. At this point in time, like I said, I know he is the best athlete on the field and he knew it. So he would often try to bounce his runs outside or he would try to reverse field, I don't think he's going to have that same success at the next level. He's also not the the most shifty running back. You know, he can make defenders miss, but he's not the, you know, kind of a guy. Um, you know, he's mo- more of a straight line athlete. Um, he also has limited pass catching opportunities. Um, you know, there's a couple plays as a DB on his tape where he actually makes some nice catches, uh, but you don't really see it as a as a running back much. So I'm inclined to believe that. It's in his skill set. Just have not seen it much at this point. Um, 
but I think he is day one, the most talented running back on the Penn state roster. That room left a lot to be desired last year. You know, their offensive line wasn't great, but that running back room was not good. Uh, they need an infusion of talent there. Noah Kane's out the door. Kevon Lee's just a guy. I think he's an opportunity to step in and earn a significant role right away and even be the lead back by mid to end season. Uh, you know, I do like the other guy that they have that they're bringing in, Katron Allen, but Singleton offers a much, much higher upside. Singleton probably has the highest upside as a running back in this class. Is his like, so I agree with everything you said, and it's kind of important. I feel like, is his upside that much higher than like Jadon Blue, though? Um, like, I, don't I think he's a better athlete. He's faster. He's got a better top end gear, I believe. Um, it's right there on par with him, but he has one of the two highest ceilings in the class. Sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I, for what it's worth, like I actually really like Singleton and he, he's top three back in the class for me. I do think there's a bigger chance than people want to make out that he actually ends up being more Caitlin Bellage than Saquon Barkley. Just because we like, we literally have no idea how this kid is as a runner in like a neutral setting at all. Just none, none at all. He's beating up on a really poor level of competition and everything is a sweep. So while I think that like you can look and see all the tools there, and I agree, like the tools are just like tantalizing. Like there's a very real chance that we're that this guy does not hit. And I think people are just assuming because he's super, super big, super, super fast, going to a backfield that kind of is embarrassingly bad at the moment or at least like painfully average um, that like he's going to be the next big thing. And I think there just needs to be some caution uh, there uh, on him um, I because I think that. like, I, I think there is, a, there's a risk and I think there's a risk with like all these backs in this class, but like Branson and him, especially, like, I think there's some serious risks that people are overlooking. Yeah. I agree just with that. to toss that out. That's why I, I still have Jaden Blue as my as my number one back because he has work to do as a runner to get to that ceiling, but that ceiling is very tantalizing, and the early opportunity, uh, I think, also plays a big role in his uh, perceive his perceived value right now. And you know, we'll tease a little bit for next week uh, in EDPs. He is the first freshman off the board. In ADP, so we are, you know, a lot of people are recognizing his ceiling. Um, yeah, and I mean, I like again, I would take him as a top five pick in this class, like no doubt. Like I see everything you're seeing. I just think there is some caution there for anybody that's like I've seen people giving like trading a lot for that pick, and while I think it's a like it could turn out to be a really really good move for you, like you're, I've seen some deals that are like trading close to what the max value is. And that is not necessarily the move that I would be making at this point, especially with this being such a good running back class. I don't think you have to force that um, and necessarily go out and get him when there, there are some other guys out there that can probably be had uh, for a little bit cheaper. Um, so I chose Andre Green here tonight. Um, his teammates hate what I had to say about Andre Green when I did a YouTube video <laughs> on him, um, but it is what it is. Um uh, Four-star kid going to UNC, 6'3", um, Like, just really, really, really big. Really, really, really athletic. He is, and this, again, like when I talked about Damian Martinez being like a Rakeem Boyd, like that was not an insult. It's a kind of putting the player into a bucket and trying to guess upside. This, Andre Green, to me, feels like the Terrace Marshall of this class, which is still a really good college player. Obviously he still had a lot of value as he entered the NFL. We just are all cooled on him because of how poor he was as a rookie. Uh, but I feel like they're very similar stylistically in the sense that like both, you know, kind of look like Tarzan play like Jane a little bit. Like he just doesn't know how to play football at all. Everything. When you can sit down and watch Andre green is all just goes jump attack catch point he's just an enormous athlete 
probably has the biggest catch radius in the class, and he just goes up over top of whoever poor little kid is there and gets <laughs> the ball. That is basically everything. So it's really, really hard to evaluate this kid. Like he doesn't have a route tree at all. He's not even really had like developed a huge yak game at this point. Like Adam Randall is also big and also fast and also a really good athlete, but there is a lot of him winning short intermediate stuff and doing some damage with the ball in his hand. And there's really no green. So like that's kind of what separates some of these guys is just like Randall has shown so much more where green is probably an equivalent athlete. He's fluid. He's strong. He's big. Can he actually learn to play wide receiver? I think is going to be the really, really big question, but I think obviously the tools are awesome. So if anybody can kind of develop that skill set, it should be potentially this kid um, with these tools going to an offense that is a very shallow depth chart at this point, especially on the perimeter. Um, so like I, he can be a dominant force. It's a question of how quickly can he acclimate to college, learn some of these other things. Uh, does he learn these other things? If he does, I think it's obviously a, a watch out scenario. Um, I'm just not sold necessarily that he does that. But the the again, the tools are there. The upside's there. Like we've seen players do this before. Is this a bet that you're trying to make calling on Andre Green there at UNC? We don't even really know what the quarterback situ- like, situation is. Like, I would feel better if Sam Howell was going to be his quarterback as a freshman because if he was able to get on the field, we could guarantee high-level quarterback play. At this stage, we can't guarantee that for you, and I think that also hurts him a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think the quarter, the question mark at the quarterback position right now um, hurts him a little bit in my eyes. Now, you know, people like Drake May. We have some folks at the site, um, Alfred and David, at solving football, they're both big fans of Connor Harrell, um, Jacoby um, Chriswell. Jacoby Chriswell is, is not out of the running either. He's reportedly looked pretty good, so they have a couple options, you know. So they, I think they'll get the quarterback situation figured out. My biggest concern with Andre Green is, is like what you said, is you know very high ceiling, but he's very raw, um, and I just I don't typically like to make bets on the raw athlete at wide receiver it's just not typically one that i like to make because i feel like those guys miss more often than they hit when they hit they hit big so you know depends on your risk aversion but i am probably not going to end up with much andre green i'm trying to pull up his adp real quick amongst freshmen so he is going as uh, at the 310 on average um wide receiver uh, 11. Not a terrible spot. Once you start getting deeper into that, I mean, the upside, maybe you start looking around and saying, you know, who else is in this range? Um, but there are some players like CJ Williams, freshman going to USC, Matthew Golden going to Houston, Ramon Brown, Justin Williams, pair of running backs there, George Petaway. Like these are all guys that I think are just better players than him that all go after him. But I, I get like, if, if your goal with every single pick is to squeeze just the absolute most value long-term out of it that you can. I don't think that he's a bad selection there in the third round. It's just not one that maybe I would make quite that early. Give me another 18-ish picks, and then I'm on board there with him. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, guys, so that is going to be our show for tonight. Thank you guys again for tuning in here with us. If you want to give us two more minutes of your time, just to talk a little bit about what we've got going on at campus2canton.com right now. If you guys tuned in to last week's episode, we relaunched the Campus to Canton website. Uh, shiny, new, all sorts of different tools. The layout is uh, really, really impressive. Um, so go check all of the stuff out over there. As I talked about earlier, we're having a special right now where if you sign up, we have three different tiers now of membership. We previously just had one. Everything was $2.99 a month, $29.99 a year. We now have three. It's a tiered membership system. If you sign up now at a year membership at $29.99, you get grandfathered from the first tier, the bottom tier, moving forward to our middle tier. And that middle tier includes basically everything that you would have received under our single tiered system. That was our goal. We didn't want you to lose access to anything in that tier. So you're going to have basically everything that you had before access to all of the tools for right now. 
We've got a bunch of new ones over there, some different things to play around with. You'll have access to all of our CFF, Devi, and C2C data. Uh, obviously, the Discord, the ADP. Um, the only thing I believe you won't have on that level is we have a special area in the Discord that's just for our highest tiered members. Uh, and those members also get every single guide that we put out moving forward for free, and they get it before everybody else. Um, not like significantly guys, like we're talking like a week or two, not like <laughs> months. Um, yeah, but I think you, you don't get the rough draft, sorry, <laughs> but, but it is a perk. Um, and we are doing more guides. We have this freshman supplemental guide. We have a Debbie guide that we're putting together as we speak. I was up last night writing a bunch of profiles. We're going to have a CFF guide as well, guys. So three guides, um, that those are all going to be $20. So right, right there, like 60 bucks, the top tier is 79 99. So just something to think about. Um, but that's going to kind of be just what you can expect over a canvas can moving forward. We also have to get YouTube. the, uh, the betting content too, in the top tier, which, um, uh, we're, you. you know, our betting team specializes on in football, obviously. So that's a little bit slow right now with no season going on, but that's going to pick back up, uh, as the season gets on. So there will be all of that content for the top tier as well. Yeah. Yeah. Betting DFS, all that good stuff. Um, so that will all be up there as well. YouTube channel guys, go ahead, subscribe over there. We are dropping some content that is exclusive to YouTube right now. Um, the official, a, a weekly Thursday show, uh, looking into, uh, recruiting maybe from a little more of an analytical standpoint, uh, with some, some tape tie in as well. That's Alfred, uh, solving football, big wide receiver guy, the three that are on there, uh, Dave, Matt, and, and Alfred. Um, so give that a check out. We talked about earlier, Matt's spring practice reports are there over there. Um, call, uh, Chris's college football filtered every morning. Like there, there's a lot of content that we're only putting really on the YouTube channel. So go ahead, check that out. The podcast feed here, guys, if you haven't noticed, we've just got something for you every day. Monday, we've got Chasing the Natty with Jared, our CFF uh, show. Um, Tuesdays, uh, you are stuck with us here at Campus Life. Wednesdays, we've got Debbie Debate, which goes live at night on YouTube and then turns into podcast form. Thursdays, Noah Hill's guys the the rb guru has joined the crew he's doing a weekly short 10 to 15 minute podcast on a debbie running back of his choosing last week he talked about sean tucker if you want to go ahead check that episode out it's really really good um this week's he already sent it to me i already listened to it um <laughs> it's it's uh it's a, a guy that that has been talked about a lot by him recently so you're going to want to check it out then fridays us again can't bound the nfl half of the campus Canton podcast and future freshman um, brandon sanders uh recruiting from a cff dynasty perspective um so focusing a little more on you know college scoring a little less on can, can this guy get to the nfl um so that is kind of the gamut of everything that we have to offer every week guys check all of it out check some of it out you'll be better off if you check out at least a couple of those shows every week. Anything sure. to add, Colin, before I, before I say goodbye? No, you summed it up very, very well. Thank you. Cool. Cool. All right. It's a lot to talk about. So it is. Um, I'm glad if you guys stuck with us through the, the, those two or three extra minutes here at the end until next time, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin and have a good one.